I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Love Letters is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Hey, everybody, it's Meredith, still social distancing, as are we all. I'm back with another bonus episode of the Love Letters podcast. And today I have a very special guest coming to us from New York City, which is a scary place to be right now, my sister, Brett. Brett, thank you for joining us today. Why don't you tell everybody how you've been spending your weeks of social distancing? Hello. How have I been spending my weeks social distancing? What's crazy is that I feel like I'm as social as I was in my 20s, but like this, I was going to say without pants, but I was pretty social without pants in my 20s. This time, like without pants, also not schlepping anywhere. So I feel like the day is like one constant FaceTime or Zoom thing or like the house party thing that we played with your friends and the, yeah, I mean, like I basically have gotten nothing done. There's like a book that needs to be written. There's 4,000 emails I need to get dealt with. And pretty much all day long, I'm like on the phone um, or getting the sunburn because I have this like cute little shitty back patio area. And I like I sit in the sun for an hour a day and I'm like vampire white. So I also have like a rock and sunburn. I'm working on the sunburn and not getting the virus and and house party. I have to say that when this was declared a pandemic, I was actually with Brett in New York and it was a Wednesday. And it's like our entire lives changed because Brett has an autoimmune issue I have terrible asthma. We're both incredibly high risk, bread in particular. And all of a sudden it was like, do I stay? Do I go? And I remember walking out of your door in your apartment and you giving me this look like a, like a puppy whose owner might not come home. Like, do we bunker together or not? And in the end, you did a very good thing and you chose your actual spouse <laughs> as opposed to coming with me. So as someone who's actually married during this, how has it been going? I know that you say, like, I use the word sister wife incorrectly, and that's true. I do, because that's more like, you know, the thing where, like, you're, it's like, that's the. I think we'd be, like, married to the same dude. Right, yeah, I know that, but there's, I wish there was a Yiddish word for, like, your sister who's also kind of your wife, but you're not having sex with her because gross. Is there a Yiddish word for that? I wish that, I want to I think it's just, like, I think the word is, like, sister. Like, not Yiddish, (laughs) but just, like, I know some people don't like their siblings, but, like. I know a lot of sisters who are as dependent as we are, I think. I don't know. 
I don't know. All I know is, yeah, I cried like a bitch after you left this apartment because I was like, what am I going to see you again? And I, you know, physically, and I don't know when that's going to happen, but I, yeah, if, if you were here, we, we'd get on each other's nerves, bottom line. I think we if would. we had our own bathrooms, everything would be okay. But you and the endless nose blowing, like, yeah, we get on each other's nerves. Yeah, no, I can't stop nose blowing. It's just lucky this podcast is edited so we can take that out most of the time. I wanted to talk today just kind of do a mailbag um, because, you know, I write the advice column for The Globe. Brett and I sometimes get a chance to talk about letters. We talk about the podcast more, but I've had a lot of letters come in. Every letter that's come in can only be seen through the lens of coronavirus, right? Like, no matter what problem you have, whether you're single, in a couple, in a polyamorous whatever, with many people, you are having to make choices and deal with conflicts based on quarantining, house rules for safety, and it's overwhelming. And, you know, some of the questions are pretty easy for me to answer. Others, you know, I've been trying to do a series on the the website where we talk to actual mental health professionals, but it is really great having this group chorus, this Greek chorus of sorts on on the Globe's website and boston.com telling people what to do. So I thought I might quiz you uh, my sister wife, with some <laughs> with some recent letters sent in to me for love letters. And by the way, if anybody at home has questions and you want me to look at it, get the Brett tough love that I might not give you because I'm a little bit more muted. <laughs> Send it on to <laughs> loveletters at boston.com and feel free to discuss these letters amongst yourselves at home. We're going to go to the first one. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm okay, ready. I'm going to read it to you. I'm not going to do any special voices. This is letter number one. Okay. Before being put on lockdown, my boyfriend and I struggled with communication. I always find it easy to tell someone how I feel, but him, not so much. He does things that upset me unintentionally, and it causes me to overthink. Now, without seeing him, it's gotten worse. I worry he isn't thinking of me. When he opens and doesn't reply to a message, I panic that he doesn't care about talking to me anymore, like this lockdown is an excuse for us to take a break. I am guilty of overthinking, but this is a really difficult time to have a boyfriend who doesn't communicate well and doesn't open up about his feelings despite knowing how it affects my well-being. Do you have any suggestions for someone who overthinks or any ways to get him to express how he's feeling more? And, like, I had an answer for this, but I want to know what your answer is. Like, what do you think? I mean, I, you know, I first find it interesting when there's any couple that isn't long distance that has chosen to do this apart. And I, like, couldn't let that go. Like, I don't know. For all I know, they live in different cities and this was just not possible. Or maybe one of them is, you know, with someone who is more high risk and they don't want to combine homes in that way. But, um... I don't know. Well, tell me what you think. Well, for also the one piece missing piece of information for me is their baseline in terms of quarantine anxiety, right? Because what if they're operating on two different baselines? For example, I'm living the motherfucking dream. I mean, I hate to, uh, clearly the world's in flames and it's falling apart and and our president, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's terrible that people are sick and dying. That said, Brett Goldstein, you don't have to leave your apartment for the foreseeable future. Yay. Like I, I I'm operating from a very from from a very positive, optimistic, happy baseline. I have one job, and that is not to get this because I 
probably couldn't survive it because of the autoimmune stuff. So what it sounds to me like right now, she needs not only reassurance about his feelings for her, but just in general. I mean, she just sounds like she's depressed and possibly anxious and I don't blame her. I'm just wondering, like, what is she? She's worried that he's not thinking of her. Well, I think she's wondering if he's sort of using this opportunity to kind of ghost, right? Like that this lack of communication is more about him getting a break out of it. Well, all right, let's just go. Let's go back to the feelings thing for a second. She keeps talking about opening up about his feelings, even though she what does she what does she want to hear? Does she want to hear I love you? Is that what she's looking for? I'm thinking about you. I miss you. I mean, um, that's my guess. OK, I, you know, my advice to her was basically to ask very specifically for what she wants. Because I feel like this, you know, if there's, again, you're right, everything is terrible and I would not wish this on anyone. What I am noticing is a very distinct change in the way people are communicating, even with me, even the way I'm communicating, where, like, people are suddenly very clear. Like, there's no passive-aggressive workaround nonsense. Like, if you need a nightly phone call from your boyfriend... It's a really great thing to say, hey, this is what I kind of need right now. What do you need right now? Let's try to meet in the middle. It seems to me like she hasn't even come up with what she wants exactly. She just needs more. Can I tell you something funny? Yeah. So uh, can I give you Ben's opinion on this, my husband? Because he had a very quick answer to this. He was like, This letter. Yeah. He said two things. And I thought it was so interesting. He said, oh, there's nothing wrong. He's high in playing video games. So like well, <laughs> he, he was just like, yeah, he's just doing other things like but what, that, what advice would he give the letter writer? Um, he he said that. For guys, they don't usually want this is obviously this is one person's opinion. It's my husband's opinion. But he was like, so this sounds to me like a problem with no solution, possibly. So if it's I can't uh, we can't see each other right now and you feel bad about that, that that's a problem that he can't solve because he's doing his quarantine thing where he is. So he doesn't bring it up because it's a, he doesn't have a solution to the problem. So clearly I think that she needs reassurance about his feelings because she's feeling some kind of change. And he seems to think that this guy isn't bringing anything up because there's nothing to fix. So I don't know. I kind of, I, I see where he's coming from on that. The, my first reaction when I read this letter was, oh, my God, this is not going to work. These two really? don't. Yeah, these two don't belong together. I mean, it, honestly, if they're like you said something earlier, right, about if they're not quarantining together, then, well, who knows? Perhaps it's kind of new. Perhaps they're in different yeah. cities. But I don't know. I would just think it's kind of a drag to, like, have to be told constantly how he's feeling. And, and, and she just needs to schedule stuff, like schedule phone dates, schedule dinner together, schedule cyber sex or phone sex or whatever, like schedule the things. And that would be great. And she doesn't really bring that up that she's doing it. I just think that this, I I don't know if I were her, I wouldn't sit there and it's what you said, ask for what you need. Right. I also was thinking that her significant other might not be the guy who can do the daily check-ins and reassurances. Like, this is a time also to call on your entire community. If you've got a family member or a friend who can text all night go to that person. Like, don't expect one person to be your everything. It, it, it's not a good time for that. It will it will get old pretty quickly. And I would just say, too, like, just here's the deal. If you need to be told every day that, 
you know, he loves you. You're spectacular. His feelings haven't changed. You're number one, blah, blah, blah. Like look inward a little bit, maybe focus your attention on having some fun with, uh, so having some cyber fun in whatever way, playing some games, like doing lighter things. It's tough out there. And we don't know why he doesn't reply instantly to a text. So I think that they can meet in the middle, but she's got to communicate and get out of her head because it's just going to create a self-fulfilling prophecy that's not going to go anywhere good. All right. I have two more letters. Both involve being stuck in your own head, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) Letter number two. I just got out of a relationship a few months ago. I have a history of having short relationships where after two or three months, guys lose interest and ghost. I started to develop trust issues, so I tend to mess everything up myself with fights about nothing. My ex of seven months was different, or so I thought. We got along really well. He made me feel like I deserved this kind of love. But last time we fought, we didn't talk for two days. I started the fight, so I apologized, but he did not seem able to forgive me. He told me I gave him the silent treatment and that it meant I did not respect the relationship. We broke up New Year's Eve. I've reached out twice since the breakup. He texted me back in long paragraphs, but it did not seem like he wanted to get back together. It's been a month since we last talked, and with all the social distancing going on, he still has work. I am worried. I just want to tell him to take care, but I feel like I don't have the right to do that. How much should you trust your gut when you want to reach out? And by the way, this letter represents so many people right now who want to check in with an ex. It's like, you know, I knew that for those who didn't feel it week one by like week three or four, maybe it's about being worried. Maybe it's about super boredom, but the ex texts are coming in. So would you tell this person it's okay to check in with their ex? Don't do it. Do your listeners know about the chart you made? I I don't know. So I made a chart. I made a chart. And I made the chart in like week two of this, like without a bra on. And I was like, (laughs) really like feeling it (laughs) alone in my house. And I was just getting a lot of people asking me, like, should I text my ex? Do I want to text my ex? So I made a flow chart about when it's okay. And literally like every line, almost every line points to no, except for one, And that's a very rare situation. I mean, the key factor is that I named the chart, um, should I reach out to my ex with whom I am not ordinarily in touch? Because if your ex is your friend, like, fine, go for it. This one was interesting to me, this letter, because the breakup is pretty recent and they have been in touch recently. So I just don't think it would be, I mean, I'm not recommending it, but I also don't think it's like the same as reaching out to your college ex or somebody you haven't talked to in three years. I have a favor to ask and you might say, no, that's fine. But can you talk us through, and we're going to have to like uh, assume certain things or guess on certain things. Can you talk us through your flow chart for this? Okay. So, and you can find like, like do you need to look at it to do that? No, I I know it by heart. Okay. It's in my soul now. Okay. Um, and you can find it on the Love Letters Instagram. But like, basically, I look at this chart, that- you guys. This this is she she. This is a fucking flow chart. Like, okay, start from the beginning. Okay. I mean, listen. You know, this is what happens under quarantine. You make a flowchart. So, I suspected that there are probably four reasons that you want to call an ex. One is that you're actually worried. Two is that you are bored. Three is that you are horny. And four is that you are having a general existential crisis. And just to boil it down simply, like, if you are horny, there are totally, like, I can give you a list of things to do. And um, the world is filled with romance novels, pornography, um, I, I recommended the movie The Man from U.N.C.L.E. with Army Hammer and Henry Cavill because 
It's just like a super horny movie with great outfits. So like do other things instead. If you're bored, there are also a number of things you can do. Some of you still haven't seen Tiger King. I haven't seen Tiger King, right? Like once again, call a different friend. Existential Crisis, I you know, that led to a, a <laughs> that led to the question, have you been drinking? Um, but again, these are that's like the easiest thing to get rid of, right? Like dissolve into a book. It's the worry thing, right? And the first question you have to ask yourself is, are you really worried about the person or are you just trying to make yourself feel better? And if you're just trying to make yourself feel better by checking in with that ex, is there any way to check on the well-being of that ex through social media, through a mutual friend? Like often there's someone else that can say to you, you know what? They're okay. You don't have to worry about them. And it was only in a situation where that wasn't available, and you are completely sure that that person has no one else. Like, if that person's married now and has a spouse who, who's, you know, isn't, is signed up to care for their well-being, you also don't need to check in, right? That's right. So, like, there was only really one small, narrow avenue of, I am completely unaware of what's happening with this person, and I'm really worried. Otherwise, it really doesn't fall to you. So... You know, I just, I I know people are breaking the rules. Maybe by week eight, I will break the rules. Who knows? Who's to say? But I'm just saying, if you're on the fence, you know, it's it's really when you got to have another friend on hand, media on hand. And again, you can see that flowchart at the Love Letters website. But in this case, it sounds like, Brett, you are going flowchart. Flowchart. She's full of shit. I mean, she, of course, it's easy to convince herself that she's worried. Absolutely. And on some level she is, but nor does she say he's a hot mess with an autoimmune disease or he's like a single dad. There's no mother in the picture caring for a young child and he's making dumb choices and going to work anyway. This is a situation where I think she feels, you know, maybe it's not so great about the decisions that she made prior to New Year's Eve. And she wants to reach out because she wants to reconnect. And I'm worried is a great way to start that conversation. But right now, and look, it's, oh my God, like all my exes have crossed my mind and reaching out to them. But then you brought the flowchart into my life. And with each one of them, the answer was no. How much should you trust your gut when you want to reach out? Don't. You don't do that. That's where you really got to call in the troops. I would say when it comes to reaching out to an ex, never trust your gut. That's what I always tell my best friend, Nicole. Don't trust your gut. Whatever it is, it's wrong. I guarantee it because your your gut is telling you to reach out. And I say, hell no, that's why you call me. Yeah, you fucking email me. I'll tell you not to reach out. And, and, and I'm the first one that would do that. I get it. I have no impulse control. I know. Okay, fair. But yeah, don't don't trust your gut. Would you agree with that? Like when you want to reach well, out to I, th- I think we're calling guts, you know, I think somewhere the gut is probably telling you the right thing. I would call it like, um, sometimes it's a whole other organ that's telling you <laughs> to call your ex. <laughs> All right, letter three, and this kind of goes to the first letter a little bit. Okay. My boyfriend has decided to quarantine himself from everyone, he says. That includes me. However, he's going to work, which involves going to people's homes. It's not medical work. So he's around a couple of coworkers and maybe a client. Backstory a bit. A few weeks ago, I picked him up from the airport. He'd been out of state. He showered when we got to his house. Then we were intimate. I saw him multiple times that week. This week, the routine changed. Tonight, I asked him if he's quarantining himself for me too, and he said yes. 
Then he said that many people around the world are having to tell their partners, I'll see you after this blows over. I'm confused why he's suddenly quarantining himself for me. Is this necessary when we were just intimate this weekend? This is hard. I got us supplies to quarantine together and help each other out. I feel very alone. I live alone. Just thought he'd be here. You want to go first on this one? Well, I mean, again, we're missing some some big pieces of information here, but the rules change by the day. Like, day one, it was like, it's cool. Don't hang out in a group of 200, right? And then it was like 50, and then it was like 25, and then it was like, say hi to grandma through a window. You know, I'm now wearing a mask. And every day, I... My, my level of comfort um, with the outside world changes. So the idea that the boyfriend was comfortable going to work, seeing other people, and coming back to a girlfriend in the beginning, but isn't now, makes perfect sense to me. You know, it would be great, obviously, if he communicated his intentions about how he really feels about her, but I, I fully expect that, you know and I'm not a doctor, but I fully expect that many of us over many months, even when we're allowed back into the world, are going to have these weird moments of this feels right, this doesn't feel right. And we're going to have to really be empathetic and respect each other because I know there is going to be a day months from now where friends say, come with me to this concert, this party, and maybe I'm going to see you the next day. And I'm going to say, you know what? I don't feel comfortable putting myself in that world and then going around someone with an autoimmune disease. I mean, who knows, right? But I just feel like I had a lot of empathy for the boyfriend about the rules changing. So you agree with Ben completely. Now, see, my first immediate gut reaction when I read this letter was, <laughs> he's like, bye. And then I also saw the thing earlier about the showering thing. And all of a sudden it was like, I just felt like I was in like an 80s or 90s movie where it's like the guy has an affair and then he like has to shower off her perfume and da 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 And like, and I had this whole narrative in my crazy head. And then, and I was like, absolutely, no, this guy wants out and he has the perfect excuse, Mazel tub. I feel really bad for her. Okay. Um, although, wait, do we know that this is a her? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I see. I'm being I don't really know that it matters, but very good. Okay. So then if that, and Ben completely disagreed and he referenced, and, and so, and, and I'll tell you a quick story because this is what he referenced. He said exactly that the rules change every day and things that happen can affect you uh, on a day-to-day basis. So for Ben, everything changed the night that the singer of Fountains of Wayne passed away from COVID-19. Ben was so affected by that, that even though he loves me with all of his heart and we are married, he was still working in his studio. They were observing social distancing, practicing social distancing, but still he and his studio mate Carlos were still in a studio together, sharing space and just making best efforts to sanitize things and not being the same airspace. The night that Adam died, Ben went in the bedroom and he cried for a while and then he texted Carlos and he was like, we're not doing this anymore. And it took, and I, this, I'm not saying this in a disparaging way. I just thought it was interesting. He knows my situation. We're both very hypervigilant, but for, I guess, for himself, for Carlos, there was a whole bunch of reasons why it was okay. And then the night that Adam died, it was no longer okay. Ben made a big decision and he's now working alone in the studio. So Ben's gut feeling was 
something like that happened. He just changed his mind. He's actually keeping her safe. And that when he says, I'll see you after this blows over, he's serious. He will see her after this blows over. You know, it hits us all at different times. It might be that someone we know gets sick. It's it's something, somebody is sick who whose art we love like that, where all of a sudden we're like, the rules just changed for me. Um, and it might it might be seeing a picture of runners on the Esplanade in Boston, right? Where I say, oh my gosh, people are still really close to each other. I need to keep my distance. So, you know, I'm glad Ben felt that way because, you know, my instinct was, I can't speak to the, the seriousness of this couple, but his change of heart is not, it doesn't put me off at all. So I know you brought up Nicole, a few times, your friend yes, Nicole. my best friend. And yes. I've been thinking about Nicole a lot because I've, more and more people as the weeks go on are thinking about really online app dating on Zoom. And, you know, hopefully they're following the rules and not secretly going out and sleeping with the people that they meet. But like, this is a real thing. You know, I think there was this initial rush of like, horny messaging on apps. That's sort of what I heard. And then there was a a period of like, well, actually, we're not going to be able to go out. So let's just mute that account for a bit, right? Like I talked to one dating coach and she was saying that she was telling her clients to just cut it out, stop it for a while. Like this can wait. You all had dating fatigue. So why don't you take a rest? But now it's like, you know, I pictured like the Wizard of Oz, like everybody's like, come out, come out wherever, wherever you are. Like they're all coming out and they're like, well, how can I make a meaningful connection? And I do know of a few people who have tried to do this, but then you told me Nicole is like actively Zoom dating in New York City. I'm wondering if she would talk to us about this. And for the record, I <laughs> none of this appeals to me, except I do like the idea that maybe people are swiping less quickly and engaging more with profiles they see because they've got the time. Like this idea that when you're on the go, that people just are like, just swiping through faces without truly processing or messaging once and losing interest. I can only hope that that people are being a little bit wiser and more thoughtful about taking a beat because we're on a different kind of schedule right now. But forget about all of this. I want to talk to somebody who's done it. So can we please call Nicole? Yeah, let's call Nicole. After the break, Brett and I talked to her friend Nicole about what it's like to date on FaceTime. We're back. Today I'm talking to my sister Brett about how the pandemic is affecting relationships. We called her friend Nicole to get a first-hand account of socially distant dating. Nicole? Hi. Hi, Nicole. How are Hello. you? Uh, how are you? I'm good. I miss you guys. I miss you too. Miss you too. Tell tell me where you are. Um, currently sitting in my kitchen. I actually did go out today for a little bit longer than usual. I sat in the park for about a half hour with my puppy. Very, very, very socially distanced from everybody. And it was our first time out for that long in a, in a couple of weeks, actually. Oh, good. Are people being less idiotic today? Yes. People in Prospect Park, Brooklyn, are being very respectful. The police are driving around the inner circle, um, making announcements for everybody to stay away from each other and to stay home. They're understanding that people need some fresh air. It's a beautiful day in New York today. 
it seems like my particular area of the neighborhood, everybody is being really respectful. So I'm honestly very grateful for that because it hasn't been like that. These no, and then big daddy Cuomo, daddy C, because now I'm a Cuomo sexual, he came in and he said, I'm going to slap you with a thousand dollar fine. That's exactly what should happen because we cannot have nice things. I think that's exactly what kicked you, people's ass right. to action for sure. Good. I'm really, I'm really glad you got some vitamin D. Well done. <laughs> so, Nicole, I hope you don't mind. Um, I'm happy that you're doing well. I also want to completely invade your personal life and ask you a bunch of personal questions because, I don't know, I'm just getting a lot of questions about dating right now. And Brett told me that you are actually dating right now. And I wanted to hear about it. And, you know, you don't have to reveal anybody's names or sell out anybody you might like online. But can you, like, tell us... Like, before all of this, how many dates might you have in a month? Um, I would say four, maybe. Yeah, probably like one a week. And how often do they lead to a second date? Hmm. Um, there were a handful of second dates. Uh, I would say one in every four or five would lead to a second date. Okay, but at the start of this, you were single, right? So was there a part yeah. of you that was like, I'm just going to stop because what's the point? I've been single for a while, having no idea how the quarantine and the lockdown was going to go. I wasn't even considering anything. I was just still responding to the people that I was interested in responding to. Um, there is like a trend on Hinge. Like Sundays are the day that guys are on the apps. Sundays are the day that I get like all my likes and everybody sends a message and to me, when people leave a comment, it shows a little bit more interest than just like a like. And so I was finding that there was a larger influx the very first Sunday after lockdown. Like, I think I had something like 20 likes come in on that Sunday, whereas normally it's like maybe four or five on that day and then like a few sparse throughout the week. Were people talking about, like, did they want to talk to you about what was happening? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say the first interaction was always like, how are you? How are you handling everything? Um, I hope you're okay. I hope you're safe and healthy. Like, most people start with that, um, but not everybody. There are some people who kind of dance around it, and it's a sensitive issue. Like, I lost my job a couple of weeks ago, so I don't necessarily want to start with that because there's so much uncertainty for me. And I, I did, you know, it, there was a feeling out time. There was one guy who was like, so how has it been for you? How has it affected you? And I'm like, oh, my God, because I've been through, besides losing my job, a very good friend of mine is in the hospital um, on events. Like, there are a lot of things that I'm going through. You never want to overshare too soon, in my experience. So I would hope that people don't consider what would normally be an overshare an overshare right now, right? Like, how are you is such a different loaded question. And in fact, when you just said that people are saying, how are you to start? And I hope you're okay. Like, that's far more respectful and empathetic than the normal intro line, I can imagine. I could not agree with you more. You're 100% right. There was one guy where I said that in his, like in the most neutral, kind tone that I could come up with. Um, and he didn't respond for like five days. And I was like, noted. Okay, cool. When he didn't respond, I didn't realize it was going to be five days later that he was going to respond. But at first I was like, okay, well, he's not equipped to handle this. So that's not a guy for me. Like someone who doesn't respond with compassion is not 
the person for me because that's not how I would respond and that's not what I'm looking for. But he did reach out. It turns out he was going through his stuff and he needed time to regroup. And so he reached out on a time that was appropriate for him and shared what he was going through and was compassionate when he actually did respond. So, but that's like, I gauge how, I, I sort of gauge their lead. Like if they're quick to respond, then I'm more quick to respond. If they're taking their time, I'll also take my time. If I'm super excited about someone, I will usually show that in in whatever way I can. When have you decided it's worth taking it to the next level? And and how did you figure out what the next level would be? So I've FaceTime dated <laughs> with three guys. So how did I figure out? Wait, FaceTime, not Zoom. Not Zoom. I'm not doing Zoom. Okay. I'm only doing FaceTime. I don't know why. I would totally do Zoom. It's so much more flattering. I look like a freaking ragged possum on FaceTime, <laughs> but on Zoom, it's like a little bit normal. My camera's a little bit better on Zoom. Um, noted. I'm totally going to do Zoom from now on. Um, so I'll go through, the, uh, let me go through them because the timeline is, so the first guy that we were like, all right, let's take this to FaceTime. We were messaging and he seemed sweet. Typically, it takes me a while to um, go out with someone. I like to have a conversation with them first because I can tell within the first five minutes of a conversation whether or not we're going to gel. You mean like on the phone? Regularly, yes. If before pre-quarantine, pre-COVID, I need to have a phone conversation before I'm going to go out of my way to meet you in person. In Brooklyn, I work in the city. I live in Brooklyn. I have two jobs. I, you know, I have a dog. Like I have a bunch of shit that I'm always doing. So for me to commit to meeting someone in person, it's it takes some time and some planning, and I have other priorities like my family, friends, and, you know, everything else that I have going on. So I would require that phone conversation. Now with COVID, it's not really necessary. Like we're just figuring out if there's enough chemistry via message to then move it to the phone. So the first guy, um, he was sweet enough and I was the one who suggested the FaceTime date. And we got on and it was awkward at first but now that I've done it three times and I've seen the flow of the conversations, it's not unlike that awkward dating in person where you're just like, I don't want to talk too much. I want to give them the platform to share what they want to share and ask you know, pertinent questions um, and let them feel like I'm paying attention and, well, I am genuinely paying attention, but then also um, have it go back and forth in a natural organic way because it's always awkward when it's really really forced that goes for on the phone and in person did you like get ready like what like oh my god of course wait what did you wear i haven't done my makeup in three weeks i haven't showered in weeks like so the the first one i totally like showered did my makeup did my hair i was drinking out of my crazy huge harry potter mug which was something that we talked about because he didn't recognize what it was um and I, yeah, I just put on a little bit of light makeup and then just chatted. The, it was a little bit stale. He didn't have that much going on. I wasn't that interested. So I ended the conversation politely by saying I had a house party to get to. A house party? <laughs> yeah, house party, the app, because we were all oh, playing oh, a game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, oh, sorry, it's nine o'clock. My friends are waiting for me. I totally lost track of time. So great to meet you. Bye. And just ended it that way. For me, ends of dates are always a little bit like tense because I'm waiting for them to say, this was great. Let's do it again. Or I'm not sure if I should say this was great. I really would love to see you again. So you just, it's kind of that 
dance. Um, the second one, this one, oh God, this guy was so funny um, and just lovely and adorable. And he was just taking, he was very quick to move on to like texting and getting onto the phone. He wanted to hear my voice. The thing is he hadn't set anything up. I am not a big pot smoker, but in my quarantine, I have been partaking more so than normal because it's just how I'm coping at night. Um, It makes me feel like everything one day will be okay. (laughs) And he was texting me and he was like, oh, I would love to talk to you right now. I was like, no fucking way. I'm stoned off my ass. And he was like, are you serious? I was like, he was like, you smoked? I was like, yes, totally. He's like, man, now I have FOMO and I really want to like, now I really want to talk to you. Um, He's like, I could have an edible. I was like, you won't be on the same wavelength as me for at least an hour. Something (laughs) against my better judgment was like, just get on the phone. Who cares? You're in a great mood. Just say, I just introduce yourself to him. So we FaceTimed while I was stoned off my ass and I couldn't stop giggling. And he found it really endearing. He was having a great time. I found myself sort of like apologizing for it or like justifying it. And he just didn't need it at all. He thought it was hilarious. But then I had another call that I had to get on. And that call ended up, but this was not a date. This was actually a Q&A with a friend of mine, like a 70-question rapid-fire Q&A that got me feeling really introspective. Well, <laughs> and so yeah. I called him back after that and it, I was a different person. So I, he was like, what the hell just happened in the 10 minutes that I didn't talk to you? I was like, man, I just got asked some really deep questions and I'm still feeling that. Um, and then you're like, I'll call you back in an hour with paranoia. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my God. (laughs) It's a journey. (laughs) I was totally paranoid and I thought I ruined it. I called Brett and I was like, I just vomited all over. I was like, I just fucked it up and he was so cute. Um, and so she encouraged me to just like dip a toe in the water and text him and just be like, so, you know, lesson learned. Don't, you know, get stoned off your ass and meet a potential love interest for the first time on Face on FaceTime. And he totally responded. We've actually had a second date. Um, and he's kind of awesome. And Wait, just- can, I, can I ask you a question? Can I interrupt you for a second? I, I have a question. I always sound like, because this is the thing, everyone thinks pot's a thing in, in a certain way. And, and you know, obviously I'm married to a stoner and a glass blower and the whole schmageggy, but like, there, I, I'm one of those people that like goes in inside when I'm high, which is, is, is not a good thing. And if it were me, all of a sudden, like I would be thinking itchy nose boogers, um, like a, a titties popping out, pe- am I peeing? Am I peeing right now? Am I peeing in my pants? Like, did you go on like a, a loop? Of any kind, like a hundred percent. You know yeah, what I what'd get? You, yeah, what, yeah. I mean, we're the same way. Like, it, it's like it's great when you and I are together alone and we're high because we yeah. can be like, "Did I pee on you? Like, is there a booger?" And we're eating lo mein. But uh, my, my question is like, what did you loop on in like in your crazy? Oh God, it was bad. He made a comment. <laughs> he made a comment about like feminism, and I couldn't stop. I thought he was attacking me. And then I got combative and that I I couldn't read whether or not he was kind of taking a jab at me. And of course he wasn't. It was, he was being super sweet, but I was misreading him. I was like trying to look at the, at the camera and see if he was like making fun of me or something. None of that was happening whatsoever. It was all in my head. He might've said something like, oh, it'll be nice to go out in person when we can do this. I can like hold the door open for you. We can go to a nice restaurant. He might've said something like sweet and lovely like that. But in my head, I completely turned it around. I was awful. <laughs> wait, so wait, but so 
now you've had a so like a fully functional date where you were not feeling that like where you were normal. No. Again, the same thing happened yesterday. I texted him super early and I was like, how is your day going? And he didn't respond. This was after we had, like, I dipped the toe and I was like, hey, you know, I'm a lesson learned. And he was like, no, you weren't that bad at all. It was totally fine. It was so nice to hear your voice. It was so nice to meet you. It was great. I was like, okay, cool. So maybe we'll do this again. A day or two passed. This was a couple of nights ago. I reached out seven, didn't hear from him. 8.30, 9 o'clock, my other friends came online and they were like, let's get blazed and play a game. Done. Smoked a joint. This motherfucker hits me up at 10 o'clock at night. He's like, <laughs> man, I had such a long day at work. And I, I was like, cool, I can just text with him. That's fine. He wanted a FaceTime again. And I was like, you can't keep doing this to me. I'm not always high. But I'm well, it's not- also like in real life, you wouldn't be that available, right? Like you wouldn't it's- be like, oh, I want you up, question mark. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be... People would not be so available. It would have to be, like, scheduled. And stoned, I would normally, if I wasn't stoned, I would normally play a little bit hard to get. I would be like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to bed. I'm tired. I have a long day. I have some shit to do in the morning. Whatever. I would have come up with something. Stoned me was like, what's up? How are you doing? How was your day? Like, I was all about it. And I was, like, all giggly. And I had just queued up Cool World. And I was, like, I just, I was, and I was in a great mood to, like, chat about existential movies. Like, I was, I was cool feeling Cool World it. like Brad Pitt? Fuck yeah. It's so good to watch when you're what? stoned. Let me tell you. It is so good. Kim Basinger is amazing. Um, it was hilarious. So, and then we had our second date. And I was, like, I'm stoned again. <laughs> like that's awesome good for you but he's been texting me all day today so he doesn't mind and we're gonna have a third date so okay unsolicited advice i feel like third date is like perhaps seven o'clock perhaps i don't know i don't know do whatever you want but i guess there is this like sort of bummer part of this where like how long can this go and how much can it escalate when there's no like I'm going to see you in person plan. I don't know. Maybe like third base these days is I'm going to stand 20 feet away from you and wave. I I like can't figure it out. Like how people who are making connections right now can let those connections grow. I am not thinking that far ahead because I can't. So I completely agree with you. Um, So I'm doing my very best to live in the moment and just get to know him on terms that feel comfortable for both of us. So We're certainly discussing what's going on in the world with sensitivity um, and with respect. I'm not prying too much. He's not prying too much with me. But, you know, I gently suggested that, like, this is a crazy time. I had a crazy weekend. My dog ate a grape and I had to take him to the vet and I was terrified. My uncle passed this this past weekend and I attended a Zoom funeral, which was surreal and crazy. Um, And he he is the kind of person who's interested in getting to know me and how things like that affect me. So he was curious and kind about it. So we're just going at as normal a pace as we can, obviously with the hope that we'll, and I, we ended our last, our date last night saying like, you know, this was so much fun. It would have been more fun if we could have done it in person. And he was like, absolutely. He's like, I'm looking forward to that day. So that was the signal that like, okay, cool. We're going to have another FaceTime date and, and do this for as long as we feel comfortable. There, there's like a whole lot of brain activity that goes along with dating under normal circumstances, right? Like dating fatigue when you swipe forever, like trying to read someone's texts or the fact that they haven't texted. Do you find that your 
that your brain is, uh, I don't know, it just seems like people are being more direct and that there's the chance to be calm in a different way dating right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want, as it is, online dating is exhausting enough. You hit the nail right on the head. I get really fed up with it um, because there is so much effort that goes into it. And I'm a hopeful person and I'm very much looking for like one person just to share life with. I just want to like meet someone where we have shared likenesses about a lot of things, good person, respectful, sweet, kind, and considerate, where we just want to spend time with one another. So when you spend enough time messaging someone and you feel like that this could potentially be something sweet and lovely and great, and then you go in person and you meet this person and then you fall short for some reason or they fall short for some reason, it's devastating and I have to constantly pick myself back up. So that's how it is in person. It's no, it's a little bit different with the Zoom dates because I have less to expend. I have less energy to expend. I didn't have to go somewhere. I didn't have to get on a train, take a cab, coordinate my time for someone to watch my dog longer so that I could. So it's like, cool, we're, we're sort of getting to the nuts and bolts quicker um, via texting, via messaging. And this way we can move on, which I've obviously been loving. Like I've definitely jumped into bed with guys a little too quickly. Um, and this takes that away. So like, I've been so excited. I'm a passionate person. And then I end up sleeping with a guy too quickly and then they lose interest or it just fizzles for whatever reason. And then again, I have to pick myself up. So this is, this takes that away. This is like, no motherfucker, you're going to get to know me for me, um, before we enter into the physical realm. I'm thrilled as your best friend. Absolutely thrilled. I know you are. <laughs> yeah, just thrilled. Because it's like, because, you know, this isn't a situation where on date three, you have to, I mean, like, you, you're going to, you're about to go on date three with this guy, right? And like, under no circumstances are you thinking, oh my God, this is where I like touch myself on Zoom in front of him. Like, the third date thing where like, you might actually have sex with somebody in real life, like, that's not going to happen tonight. So that's kind of great. It's just so awesome that that takes that pressure off or even just the consideration out of it. Oh, it makes me so happy. Me too. Nicole, I'm hoping that day three with this guy is amazing and that months from now, I'm meeting him in real life with you because that's where the world will be because optimism. I love that. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for sharing your stories. Uh, and you know, listen, I think everybody is living vicariously through literally everything, but now I am living vicariously through you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Love you guys. Love you. I'll talk to you 16 times before midnight. <laughs> All right. And Brett, thank you for checking in. We will be on the phone, I'm sure, 15 more times, times today. Yeah, before midnight. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith is our audience engagement manager. Special thanks to Brian McGorry and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. I want to hear from you guys, especially now, and I hope you're doing okay. Email your social distancing and all other relationship questions to the team at loveletters@boston.com or find us on Twitter at loveletters_blog. And remember, Love Letters has a book. It's my memoir. It's called Can't Help Myself. And yes, there's a lot of Brett in it. 
And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Learn more at loveletters.show. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening.